Truth News Network. Texas declares war on the border and their enemy, the United States. Who do you think is going to win that conflict? More importantly, how will it be resolved? These are questions few have the nerve to ask, but we do. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And your straight talker is Dan Newman. Here's a question from me about what you just heard, that southern border war that we as Texas, and I'm not in Texas, but I'm from Texas originally, we have declared war on the southern border. Just a thought here. I thought I'd get you thinking at the top of the show. How many Hamas terrorists, how many Hezbollah terrorists have come across our southern border? Under this president, you don't think, oh, it couldn't possibly be true that we had terrorists numbering among those from wherever, 160 different countries, we're told, across our southern border. Oh, by the way, we did find out afterwards that 150 known terrorists were among those that number in 8 million, and that's a conservative computation of all the illegals that have come across the southern border on the watch of this president. You think Hamas has any in there? You think maybe China, North Korea, Hezbollah, Vladimir Putin, who the heck knows? Our government surely doesn't know and they really don't care, do they? Wow, what a way to start the show. What a way to start the week. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live, Monday edition Yeah, we are already halfway through the Halloween month. Today we start the back half of October, and I want to thank you for joining us. Many, many, many things to go into today. Much of it has to do with dispelling the lies, the incorrect things, the commitments. And did I say the outright lies that are being told by those in our government about people in governments in Iran, Hamas leadership, Hezbollah leadership, all their lies too. I think what we need to do today is just turn on our truth meters and start listening to what's being said and then go back and try to verify it or dispel what we're hearing, especially about all this stuff. We are going to do just that with you in tow. Welcome to Monday. It's going to be a good one, despite all this other stuff. We'll get into it in just a minute. Headed north on a one-way trip. I never thought I'd be back this way. I never thought I'd be missing you. Enough to suffer for the whole night through. Headed south and I didn't look back. I rode the wind off a beaten
You know what else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for football. I mean American football. You know, the oblong ball. <laughs> I know soccer is the biggest sport in the world. I get that. And they call it football, F-U-T-B-O-L. But when you say football, I think about football. I mean, U.S. football, high school, peewee leagues, college, the NFL, even indoor football. I love football, and more than ever, it's become a diversion because no one, I bet you nobody listening, I bet you you won't make a claim that your attentions are not torn and that you're not torn up inside about what's going on around the world, especially over in the Middle East, and how that impacts us. Now, the second part that I told you there, that's the part that troubles me the most. How's it being portrayed? Who the heck can you trust is telling the truth? We're going to hear. You're going to hear. You're going to hear about, and you're going to hear some for yourself in today's show, about our own government lying to us about many parts in this Israel, Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, however you want to throw the bad actors into the picture. They're all lined up against us. They're all lined up against Israel. Now, who the heck are we aligned with? That's a great question. I mean, most of us would say, well, Israel's one of our greatest allies. It's our biggest and most important ally in the Middle East. In fact, that's the only democracy in the Middle East is Israel. But then when you watch what's going on around the nation, on the streets of our big cities, not just our big cities, and even little towns, there are so many unexplainable horrors that are playing out. I mean, colleges, universities, communities, all these young people, they have no clue what is really going on between Israel and the terrorists in the Middle East. How could anybody label Israel the boogeyman in all of this? But guess what? It's happening, and it's happening so much by so many different people. It proves one thing. Our children have been being indoctrinated in schools, and it's not just about misgendering. It's not just about sexual preference and transgender, uh, transitioning, can't even say the word, transitioning. It's not just about that. That's all part of it. But throw into the mix, cops are bad. Law enforcement, law enforcement people are evil. 
and then look across the big pond. The problem over there in the Middle East is not Hamas. It's not Hezbollah. It's not the Egyptians. It's not anybody over there that are terrorists. It's Israel. Israel, they stole that land from Palestine. No, they didn't. There has never been a nation called Palestine. There's never been one. How do the Palestinian people, I heard this weekend, it was just thrown out there like it's automatic. They want their country back. Where's their country? Well, it's the West Bank and Gaza. They want them all. Well, there is no geography. There is no history. There's nothing that shows that Israel didn't own and occupy that part of the world for centuries. It was taken away from them, and they won it back in a war. Just because you say something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. And just because you say something's right doesn't mean it's right. So what do you do in those cases where you've got conflict on very important issues? You go find the facts. I was, I am old enough. I remember 1968 in the war. I remember it. I remember what was at stake. I remember history biblically. I remember how the Muslim sector of humanity how it was started, how it began, who was the father of that whole religious perspective. I remember all of that. Why do I remember it and other people don't? Because they're not being taught that. They're being taught that Israel is the quote-unquote occupier. They've been taught that no Israeli has a right to even breathe They don't want this two-state solution that politicians have been bandering around for decades and generations. They don't. They want a one-state resolution. And to do that, they want, and they're prepared to see that it happens. Every Jew is killed or becomes a slave of somebody in the Muslim world. What I just said is factual. And there is plenty of evidence to prove it. We're going to peel back some of the layers today. And listen, I'm one of those. I'm not a Jew. I'm certainly not of Arab, Muslim, whatever you want to call it, descent. My family immigrated to the United States from Northern Europe. So I'm one of them. I'm a white guy. There's no other way to put it. But just because somebody may look different, may have a different background, may come from a different nation than the one you're from, may have different religious perspectives, that doesn't make them bad and you good, nor the other way around. It just doesn't do it. By the way, while we're watching all of this pandemonium in the streets of big cities, specifically Manhattan, I watched and listened to a bunch of that, far more than I should have over the last four days. And I'm going to tell you this. There are a lot of people out there that have been shoveled buckets 
of lies about history between the Israelis and everybody else in the Middle East. Lies. And since when is it okay to just declare nobody has a right to even breathe and that they should be exterminated? This is the United States of America. I thought we all got an equal footing to get started. I thought we were guaranteed the opportunity for freedom, the freedom to believe in what we want to believe in, freedom of religion, freedom to say what you want to say. Oh, and what else? Well, there's this thing sitting out there nobody wants to talk about. It's the R word, racism. I watched as on the streets of New York, Chicago, I saw a lot of black faces out there protesting, publicly coming out in full support of the Palestinians against who? Jews. Why? Simply because they're Jews. Is that not the epitome of racism? Is that not what we were told Black Lives Matter was founded to be to protect the rights of every person of every color, every nationality, every perspective. You can think anything. I mean, you can think that you're a cow. If you want to moo all day long, that's up to you. You've got that right. But if you're a Jew, you don't have any right to anything, for anything. And by the way, we want to kill you. We want to destroy you. We want to eradicate you from the face of the earth. They don't want a two-state solution. And then where's all this money coming from? It doesn't, there's no Walmart to go shop for weapons of war and weapons of mass destruction. They're not there. They cost buttloads full of money. It costs millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to wage a war like is going on right now. And oh, by the way, just want to point something out. This is not Israel's war. They're actually portraying that on the news media now around the world that Israel is responsible for all of this. Those young people on the streets in New York and Chicago and L.A., in London and France. Oh, by the way, you can't even protest now in France. They made it illegal for you to be on the street and protest because of all the violence that was being perpetrated by these supporters of Hamas in France. You can't have your cake and eat it too. It's either truth or it's falsehood. It's a lie or it's a truth. That's about everything. And it doesn't matter how you dress it up and what kind of label you put on it. You're not changing what it is. Racism does not exist in a vacuum. We've said that over and over and over for years. What were we speaking about specifically? The struggles of the African-American people in the United States of America. All legitimate. No question about it. There has been racism since there have been people from different origins, people who think differently, people of different religions. 
And there always will be differences between people. But differences don't mean it's okay for you to destroy somebody who feels differently than do you. I'll give you an example of how this craziness is going on. Our very powerful FBI director, Chris Ray, he warned over the weekend of a spike in reported domestic threats linked to, and this is a quote from his mouth, what you're about to hear. He's linking this domestic threat issue to Israel's war against Hamas. Now, how does that sound to you when the FBI director, the head of the biggest law enforcement agency on the planet, the FBI, he terms when he puts this directive out and talks to all those tens of thousands of people that are in the FBI and everybody else that's listening in. The problem is Israel's war against Hamas. Let me correct you, Mr. Ray, which I've done on this show numerous times, especially when you testify before Congress in congressional hearings and you say things that aren't truthful. You deny things that you've been a part of that history shows you have been. This war, and it is a war now, but when it started, it wasn't in a war. It was an assault, an ethnic cleansing by Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, and anybody else in the Middle East that sent them a dollar against Israel, against the Jews. And the reason is you just don't like them because they're Jews. The Hamas terrorists are terrorists. They don't want a two-state solution. We hear our own president, he went out on the weekend shows and he was touting, we believe in a two-state structure. In other words, Palestine and the Jews. Here's the problem. Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, they don't want a two-state solution. They want to get rid of every single Jew that breathes. They want a one-state solution. Actually, there's a two-state, Sunnis and Shiites. See, they have problems within their own ranks. That's the two types, the major two types of Islam. And they war all the time. There have been wars since Ishmael, the dad of Muslim world, has been in this world. We're getting, it's gotten so obvious now. In the United States of America, we have Al Jazeera, you know, that uh, television network that Al Gore owned. That network exists in the Muslim world. That's what it was created to do, to give world news out based upon the perspective of Islam. Al Jazeera, as far as it was always, it's gone. It's disappeared. What replaced it? MSNBC. 
MSNBC is pro-Hamas, anti-Israel in their reporting. I'm not talking about the guests they have on. I'm talking about the things that the anchors are saying that work there. How could a news agency consider themselves to be a news agency if they go into any report they're going to share, if they go into it with a predetermined idea about something that's being discussed, instead of listening to both sides of the argument and then not even drawing a conclusion, letting your viewing audience make their own conclusions. FBI Director Chris Ray. We got a spike in domestic threats that are all linked to Israel's war against Hamas. I want to take a moment to offer my heartfelt condolences to the people of Israel and share the outrage I know we all feel at the sheer brutality and disregard for innocent lives there, Ray said had prepared remarks at the International Association of Chiefs of Police annual conference over the weekend. History's been witness to anti-Semitic and other forms of violent extremism for far too long, whether that be from foreign terrorist organizations or those inspired by them or domestic violent extremists motivated by their own racial animus. The targeting of a community because of their faith is completely unacceptable the FBI director said. We remain committed to continue confronting those threats both here in the U.S. and overseas. Now, wait a minute, Dan. You said that Director Ray, he came out and he blasted Israel because they went to war against Hamas. No. What you just heard is a a quote, a direct quote from Christopher Ray. Didn't say anything about that. Where did that headline come from that I read you? Here it is again. FBI Director, for, uh, FBI Director Chris Ray warns of spike in reported domestic threats linked to Israel's war against Hamas. You see, who writes story headlines at major news outlets? It's not the people that write the stories. It's the editors. Somebody at the top of this network wanted to give a headline that diminished Israel. And boy, they, whoever wrote this headline, they were lathering because it was going to be from an about FBI director for Chris Ray. You see, that's what we're living with. That's why there are tens of thousands of people across this nation, almost all of them 25 years and younger, that are on the streets, death to Israel. What Hamas did, killing all those women, beheading those babies, they tried for days to say the beheadings, that was propaganda that was put out by Israel. Then the pictures came out. They had to shut up about that, and they started pushing back about something else. This is a conditioning of young Americans to hate freedom, to hate liberty, as it was defined by our founders. And it's very plain in writing 
But guess what? These 25-year-old and younger Americans, when they go to public schools today, they're not hearing the details contained within the U.S. Constitution. They're not hearing anything about the Declaration of Independence. They're not getting history, no American history, other than the one that the left have created to replace the real history to make people hate Americans and its foundation and its founding fathers. And we've just sat back and watched it happen. How dangerous is that? Wow. North Gazan residents trying to leave the war zone, they tell the IDF that Hamas is blocking their exit out of the Gaza. That's not a headline. That's a fact. All weekend long. Remember, Israel put out, as they should, they're about to invade a full-blown ground invasion of Gaza, the whole Gaza Strip, not just Gaza City. And so they're letting everybody in that zone, Gaza, know. Now, not everybody there are Hamas supporters. In fact, most of them aren't. Hamas embeds themselves among the Palestinian civilians because when they go out and do what they did to Israel, which was bomb, fire missiles, kill people, hang gliders coming into a music concert, and from those hang gliders shoot down in cold blood 260 Israelis that were mixed with some very good people that are Palestinians that went to a music concert. They don't care. They'll kill anybody that even associates or has any part in anything with any Jewish person. They're consumed by hatred. And they don't want to let, they're not letting these civilians get out of Gaza because they want to prop them up. They want those people to be slaughtered if and when Israel does do this ground invasion, and then they'll plaster the news world. And our news media over here will be fawning. Look at the horror. The Israelis came in and slaughtered all these civilian people. They're no better than Hamas. Israel deserves what they get out of this. That's where this is going. Unless somebody intervenes. Oh, and don't think for a second there's going to be an intervention by our White House. Oh, no. Our president was out over the weekend playing denier-in-chief, not commander-in-chief. He has no clue what's going on. We got a bunch of lies coming out of the Biden administration. We're going to weigh into that. We're going to sprinkle this all with some legitimate news that you need to get started on your week. So don't go anywhere. It's very meaty today at TNN Live. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. 
I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at Geico.com. Believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. This is your home. This is your family room, slash gym. The guest bedroom, slash music studio. The day bed, slash dog bed. The living room, slash yoga shanti, slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement, slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home, slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Saying it out loud. No spin, only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. Well, 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 here we are on Monday. You know, I don't know about you, but I was I was expectant all weekend long. You know, Israel put out that notification to the Palestinian people principally, not Hamas, but for the Palestinian people, civilians that they were living in Gaza, the Gaza Strip, many of them in Gaza City, to get out before the bedlam begins. Now, obviously, they knew that Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran, everybody was going to see and know what was coming down, and it would be spun in a whole bunch of different ways. And then you have Israel. I'm trying to think of a way to put this succinctly. The Israelis don't come out and scream and holler about a lot of things in the news media. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's because we're not given a lot of what they're saying, and it's cherry-picked. They'll only take out the good uh, that, that, that you know, makes somebody else look bad and the Jews look good or vice versa. There is a whole lot of misinformation out there. Peter Lloyd just called in. He's on the road. He wanted to tell me, in fact, he told me real quickly to remind everybody that the Palestinian people are not Hamas. Hamas embeds themselves among the Palestinians using the Palestinian people as shields and as tools, propaganda tools. When the fighting begins and they slaughter or put those human shields in front of them and a lot of those people get slaughtered. There are so many moving parts to this. And then you have Iran, Hezbollah, Syria on the other side of Israel, Egypt down below Gaza, the Gaza Strip. And so Egypt's supposed to be an ally of ours. We give them bazillions of dollars in support. And Sisi, their president, he shut down the entrance out of Gaza into Egypt after he had said he would take those refugees on a short-term basis. 
there's so many moving parts and you got to figure out who and what to believe. And then, even then, even though you do listen, you look, you read, you ask questions, you still don't know for sure what you're hearing is true and what isn't true. Everybody wants to take care of number one themselves at the expense of all the number twos and threes and fours and fives and sixes. And then we find out when we start going into the aftermath and looking at all of the dead bodies and what's laying around, we find that there are, among the Hamas members, there are weapons from Iran, weapons from Russia, weapons from China, weapons from North Korea. Now, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? It's not Hamas against Israel. It's Iran et al. In other words, Iran and a bunch of others against Israel. Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? I can't make a call on that. I can't. I do know from watching what happened, the attack on Israel last weekend, not this weekend, but last weekend, was unprovoked. And it was the most treacherous, outlandish, horror show that I've seen in my lifetime. And remember, I lived through Vietnam. I I didn't see it. Thank God I didn't have to go. But I heard the horrors. And in watching documentaries later, I saw a bunch of them. Things were really bad then, but I've never seen any hatred like has been exhibited in the Middle East the last 10 days. And then what, what's happening over here? Three American law schools have web pages up right now. Three American law schools, not colleges per se, law schools. You go four years, then you go to law school. Those schools, three of them, have web pages that encourage their students to work, volunteer, to work for organizations that have been designated as terror groups by the Israeli government. Who might that be? Well, University of California, L.A. That's UCLA, their law school. Georgetown University Law School. The Northeastern University School of Law promotes al Haq and Adamir, another Israeli-designated terrorist organization, as part of its signature cooperative legal education program. Georgetown Law includes al Haq among a list of human rights organizations for those thinking about summer or postgraduate employment in the field. That's from Georgetown's website. The Israeli-designated terrorist group is listed alongside organizations like the American Civil Liberties Union and the United Nations Children's Fund. UCLA's law school includes al Haq on a list for students that, quote, can be used as a starting point to identify organizations working in your interest area in the Public International Law and Human Rights Career Guide. It's posted on its website. Northeastern, the Northeastern University School of Law lists al Haq and Adamir on its website as part of its cooperative legal ed- education program. 
Students in Northeastern law are required to do legal work every year after their first year of instruction, and you got to do it through the college's co-op program. Adamir and Al-Haq, which Israel has designated as terrorist groups, are among the approved organizations students can work for to complete that requirement. So, what about Al-Haq and Adamir? Well, Adamir advocated on behalf of prisoners held in Israeli prisons, including members of Hamas and the Popular Front of the Liberation of Palestine, a U.S. and Israel-designated terrorist group. Al-Haq claims to promote human rights and the rule of law in the occupied Palestinian territory by engaging in activities like supporting the boycott, divest, sanctions movement, and submitting an anti-Israel report to places like the United Nations and the ICC, the International Criminal Court. All three of these universities released statements condemning Hamas's terrorist attacks in Israel while at the same time maintaining resources that encourage their students to work for organizations designated by the Israeli government as terrorist groups. Israel's then Minister of Defense, Benny Gantz, designated Adamir and Al-Haq as terror organizations on October 19, 2021, with the Israeli government alleging the groups had ties to Palestinian Liberation Army. Following its establishment, the Al-Haq organization became an arm of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, a terror organization, and has since then operated on its behalf and upon the instructions as part of the terror organization's struggle against Israel. Adamir focuses on assisting prisoners that have been convicted of security offenses and also terror activity against Israel, emphasizing the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine Prisoners and Their Families, its terror designation reads. The organization also constitutes an inseparable arm of the Popular Front Terror Organization. Media. (laughs) Can we trust them? Oh my gosh, can we trust them? Over the weekend, lots of different interviews with lots of different people and a bunch, a lot of different explanation and opinions for things. And of course, everybody, every expert in foreign affairs that came on any of the talk shows over the weekend, they have every right to their opinion, just like you and me, but they demand you and I, we take them at their word, and we never question them. One of the worst people, in my opinion, in the Biden administration is Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor. He was up to his eyeballs in the Benghazi stuff, also in the creation of ISIS by Hillary Clinton, Antony Blinken, who worked for her at the time, and former President Barack Obama. We gave them guns. We gave them hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition, rockets, all kinds of stuff. They were then called Syrian rebels that were reaching out against that evil guy running Syria, Basur Assad. Only to find out later, after Benghazi, that was a creation of ISIS. 
Back to Jake Sullivan. This happened, this came up over the weekend. And it's because of something Jake Sullivan, in his stupidity, just days before the Hamas assault on Israel, talked about how safe the Middle East is on his watch and Joe Biden's leadership. The Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. Now, challenges remain. Iran's nuclear weapons program, the tensions between Israelis and Palestinians. But the amount of time that I have to spend on crisis and conflict in the Middle East today compared to any of my predecessors going back to 9-11 is significantly reduced. Jake, why was your assessment there so far off the mark? Well, first, Kristen, I made those comments in the context of developments in the wider Middle East region over the last few years after two decades that involved a civil war in Yemen and a massive humanitarian catastrophe, a civil war in Syria and a massive refugee crisis, an invasion and insurgency in Iraq, a NATO military operation in Libya, Iranian-backed attacks on both Saudi and the UAE, uh, as well as many other steps, inc including the rise of a terrorist caliphate that actually occupied a huge amount of territory. The sentence before what you just played, I said, in fact, that this was for now mm -hmm. and that it could all change. And the two threats that I identified that were the most acute on my mind at the time were tensions between Israelis and Palestinians, as I mentioned, and the threat from Iran. And so, yes, uh, it is true that those two threats remained a real challenge to the long-term stability of the Middle East region, and we've just seen this absolutely tragic attack. But at no point did the Biden administration take its eye off the ball of the threats to Israel. In fact, President Biden saw Prime Minister Netanyahu just weeks before this attack to discuss the security challenges facing the state of Israel, and we've continued to support them to as significant or greater an extent than any previous administration. Oh, yeah. Nobody has been as good as we are at foreign policy. When it comes to Israel, <laughs> we've had their back like no other administration ever. We're the best. Just ask me. I'm Jake the Snake. I must say this. Barack Obama had a better foreign policy situation than does his used-to-be vice president, now President Joe Biden. If you're so ready and prepared and you know everything about everything going across the Middle East, Jake, why didn't y'all catch this? I mean, after all, you talk to people in Iran all the time. Not only talk to them, you give them money. Oh no, man. Oh no. <laughs> we don't we yeah, that's six million dollars, six billion dollars. Uh that went to I went to Qatar. It's there in the bank and they can't touch it. It's gotta be used strictly for humanitarian stuff. And anyway, that all began. That all began under the previous administration. You remember that lie? Is that a lie, Dan? Is it a lie? Judge for yourself. But now they're blaming former President Trump. I want to read this to you. State Department mm -hmm. spokesman Matthew Miller said, quote, the monies, those monies were allowed to accrue 
under the Trump administration. Your reaction to this? I can tell you it's a bald-faced lie. Uh, well, the one thing that Donald Trump never did during his presidency was appease our enemies. And he knew very well who our friends were, and he treated them well, and who our enemies were, and he treated them with hostility, something that this president should do. By the way, this goes back to the Obama years when we, we basically— uh, you know, appeased Iran uh, with these with these deals, and so to blame this on, on Trump is really outrageous. Incidentally, this is the president, uh, Liz, who basically has put so much billions of dollars into the coffers of Iran with this crazy energy policy. So, in some ways, Joe Biden has been Iran's best friend. Have you figured out yet? If you weren't on the show, if you didn't get a chance to listen on Friday, I broke this. On Friday, have you been like me and many others wondering where Iran's getting all their money? Because if you remember correctly, they had hundreds of sanctions against them. Every part of their economy, when Joe Biden took office, that were all created and put in place by the U.S. Congress, you know, those combination of Democrats and Republicans during the Trump administration. Trump is the one that put them together. Congress approved them. And the sanctions were specifically targeted at stopping Iran from being to sell their oil on off, uh, worldwide energy markets. You remember all of that? In fact, let me tell you what I'm going to do. We don't have to take a break right now. In just a minute, next time we take a break, I'm going to pull up that soundbite from Friday when the exact details are given that explain what happened with these sanctions it's going to blow your mind. Blow your mind because you will not believe exactly what and how much we have allowed, we being Joe Biden, has allowed Iran to get away with. And let me just say this. It's tens of billions of dollars that they're not supposed to have. You're going to hear that in just a few minutes. Sit tight. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. 
When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. I'll take a Coke. Is Pepsi okay? Is Pepsi okay? Is Pepsi okay? Ow! Are puppies okay? Is a shooting star okay? Is the laughter of a small child okay? Um, Are you with me? You seem confused. Let's role play. Now. Uh, okay, I'm Steve. I'm an actor. No, no, and... no. Just order something. Uh, I'll have... You will have a nice cold glass of the best thing you ever tasted. Okay? Okay. I think you might be just saying it wrong. You gotta say it with pride, okay? Okay. Oh, yeah, kind of. Pepsi's more than okay. It's okay! Okay, what have we learned today? You want a Pepsi? I want a Pepsi. She wants a Pepsi. There you go. Like a little John. Oh, come. I've got to come up with my own catchphrase. Okay! The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, The Truth News Network. I'm having trouble finding that soundbite that I told you I was looking for. I'm going to have to do it when we're off the air. If I can't figure out how to get it done and play it for you today, it'll be here tomorrow on tomorrow's show. But let me just say this. What has happened is against the law, this president, Joe Biden, has single-handedly created a way for Iran to bypass the sanctions that Congress, our Congress, under Donald Trump, put on the Iranians that was to strangle them and stop their economics as they were operating, selling all that oil, because they were turning all the benefits, financial benefits of it, turning it into weaponry that they were passing around to use against their political foes. Let me tell you how bad it was. Donald Trump's last year in office... They only had $10 billion coming from oil revenue. You know how much they had last year? $80 billion. Now, how could that possibly happen? Joe Biden hasn't been enforcing the sanctions that Congress put in place, and his not enforcing those, allowing them to be flexed, and not being used as the legislation was written, it's unconstitutional, it's impeachable, and that's where all the money is coming from that these people are dying from. Let me give an example. You know, I've told you, anytime you need to know this, make a note of this, anytime you really need some inside news from on the ground in Europe, the website to go to is Daily Mail. This one came out of Daily Mail, and it's about that horror story that happened over there last Saturday, Saturday a week ago, that concert in which 260 people were slaughtered. Sickening footage from that. 
has emerged of the exact moment that a mosque gunman went into that compound, injuring several female soldiers with grenades before brutally executing them at near point-blank range as they cowered behind a desk. That clip captured by a Hamas attacker using a body cam. It showed the moment the terrorists stormed what appeared to be an IDF border post amid the ruthless surprise assault on Saturday, October 7th. Hamas gunmen are seen streaming into a darkened room, having just tossed a grenade into the enclosed space. Female soldiers are heard wailing in pain and fear as the attackers surround them, brandishing Kalashnikov assault rifles. Those come from Russia, by the way. For a moment, it looked as though the gunmen had reconsidered their actions. They approached the desk behind which the women were cowering and pulling away an office chair as they spoke kind of calm. But it quickly became apparent they were simply making way for a clean execution. In the dying moments of the video, one shooter raised his rifle, fired several more shots at the bloodied women from mere feet away in what South First Responders, Israeli rescue teams that were first to arrive on the scene following Hamas's attacks, said was clear evidence of war crimes. While they're doing that a little bit later on, hang gliders with Hamas terrorists in those hang gliders flew into that music concert and from the air started firing indiscriminately into the crowd, killing those people. Rather than take those soldiers prisoner, as would be required by international law, the terrorist moves the chair aside to fire at point-blank range and execute them. It doesn't end here. The terrorists fire again amidst the last gasp of the conscripts the terrorists fire a final kill shot to execute them. Hamas terrorists carried out intentional executions during so, of soldiers, injured soldiers in direct violation of basic international law. The harrowing footage provides yet more evidence of the brutality of Hamas's attacks last weekend. This stuff is just inconceivable. Nobody... Nobody can reconcile any way for that to happen. So meanwhile, back here in the U.S., man, we've got all kinds of activity going on. You remember the story came out last week about those Harvard students who issued a statement blaming Israel for the savage Hamas attack? They're going to find it difficult to find a job when they graduate. Why is that? A guy named Bill Ackman, a billionaire hedge fund manager, He's called for these Ivy League institutions to, quote, release a list of the members of each of the Harvard organizations that have issued the letter assigning sole responsibility for Hamas's actions to Israel so as to ensure that none of us inadvertently hire any of their members. If, in fact, their members support the letter they have released, the names of the signatories should be made public so their views are publicly known. Now, this is Ackman in a tweet. One should not be able to hide behind a corporate shield when issuing statements supporting the actions of terrorists who, we now learn, have beheaded babies, 
among other inconceivably despicable acts. I've been asked by a number of CEOs to get Harvard to release this. As BizPack Review reported, following the attack, which has thus far killed around 1,500 Israelis and close to 30 Americans, over 30 Harvard student organizations issued a joint letter in support of Palestine. We, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. This is a joint statement by Harvard-Palestine Solidarity Groups. Today's events did not occur in a vacuum. For the past two decades, millions of Palestinians in Gaza have been forced to live in an open-air prison. Why could that be? How could that be? The apartheid regime is the only one to blame, the statement continued. That would be Israel. Israeli violence has structured every aspect of Palestinian existence for 75 years. From systematized land seizures to routine airstrikes, arbitrary detentions to military checkpoints and enforced family separations to targeted killings. Palestinians have been forced to live in a state of death, both slow and sudden. Today, the Palestinian ordeal enters into uncharted territory, the group said. The coming days will require a firm stand against colonial retaliation. We call on the Harvard community to take action to stop the ongoing annihilation of Palestinians. What you just heard From that release I read to you, that is the narrative that every one of these universities, these young people, the ones that are on the streets marching, that's what they're swallowing, hook, line, and sinker. Don't think for a moment that any time and every time an Israeli specifically one in the military or in a group. Don't think for a second that every such incident where they would slaughter innocent Palestinians would not be splattered on television screens, front page of newspapers all around the world every single time. This is how they perpetrate their talking points and how they display what they're all about, which is death to Israel. Death to Israel. That's every part of it. A truck driven by a conservative advocacy group made its way around Harvard Wednesday of last week to raise awareness about the anti-Semites on campus. Driven by someone from Accuracy in a Media, a conservative watchdog group, the truck displayed the names and photos of the Harvard students who signed the infamous pro-Hamas letter blaming Israel for Hamas's weekend terror attack. Accuracy in Media has since been accused of doxing the students. Not that many people in the public are remotely sympathetic to them. Indeed, most people responding to the pictures 
on X were supportive of accuracy in media, not the doxed students. Students all signed that letter. We told you about that. And that letter, it sparked enormous backlash. A bunch of other billionaire investors and company owners are calling for Harvard to release the names of all those students. If, in fact, their members support the letter they've released, the names of the signatories should be made public. Over 150 faculty members at Harvard, faculty members now, also lashed out by issuing an open letter pushing back on the pro-Hamas letter. Meanwhile, Harvard President Claudine Gay released her own statement reminding the world the students who signed the pro-Hamas letter don't speak for Harvard University or its leadership. The good news is that multiple Harvard students' groups have since withdrawn their signatures from the letter thanks to all the backlash. That's according to the Harvard Crimson. That's the Harvard student newspaper. As far as the group that wrote the letter, the Harvard undergraduate Palestine, Palestine, whichever way you pronounce it, Solidarity Committee, they issued a statement to the Crimson saying they reject the accusation that our previous statement could be read as supportive of civilian deaths. The statement aims to contextualize the apartheid and colonial system, which explicitly, while explicitly lamenting the devastating and rising civilian toll in its caption. It is unacceptable that Palestinians and groups supporting them are always expected to preempt their statements with condemnation of violence. Wouldn't it be nice if the news people would just release the news? Just tell us what happened. (laughs) Tell us what happened. And just let us draw our own conclusions from the facts. Golly, I remember when news was news. You remember when Cronkite was at CBS and a little bit later after him, Peter Jennings on ABC, both of those guys, they just gave it to you. I mean, here's what happened. And if they talked about any liability or responsibility for any of this stuff, whatever it was, it didn't matter. I mean, we went through things like Watergate. Uh, I mean, even further back, the execution, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, all those things. Obviously, front-page news across the world, especially here in the United States. And I remember when editorials were restricted to the editorial pages in newspapers. And now every freaking news story is an editorial. The writer, they may sprinkle in some, may they, they may even sprinkle in the whole truth going through it, but it's always given from a perspective of who writes the story, not of what happened. And Americans of my generation, and I know we're dinosaurs, I'm 70 years old, I just need to go to the, I just need to go out of the farm, just hang out somewhere and not make any noise. We've seen it both ways. We understand 
what is happening, the watering down of facts and ramping up things that make a political perspective look like it's wonderful. That's the best thing happening on the globe. Just give us the facts, how about? Let's switch gears just a little bit. There's a video circulating around the United States today on social media that supposedly shows a secret gay room. Gay room. It's used at a Chicago-area school to allow students and staff to have a conversation on gender and sexuality issues. The Libs of TikTok account on X, formerly Twitter, shared a scoop with a video allegedly taken inside Lake Forest High School's so-called gay room. It says, the caption, the room is used for staff and students to meet and discuss gender and sexuality. Caption explains about the school in the North Shore suburb of Chicago. When rumors started circulating, one whistleblower tried to go in and film but was blocked by a member claiming it's a study hall. Libs of TikTok said, I'm told parents in the district are fuming and the district is hiding information about it. Why would a school have a secret room to discuss gender with students? It is extremely disturbing and concerning to hear about the existence of of a secret room in a school for discussing gender and sexuality. Transparency and open communication are crucial when it comes to addressing these topics, especially when involving students and parents. That's from the Right Angle News Network. It is unconscionable to me that this kind of stuff is happening. How long has it this been hidden? How long has it been going on and parents and even some educators don't even know about it? And do you think we live in a two-tiered justice system? If you don't, listen to this. A U.S. Department of Justice Office of the Inspector General, that's OIG for short, a report, an OIG report released a few days ago, found that a senior FBI employee had been soliciting prostitutes from massage parlors, but announced that federal and state criminal prosecutors have declined to press any charges. The OIG was investigating the senior employee after receiving information about them from the FBI, suggesting they frequented massage parlor prostitution fronts that were run by a foreign national with whom they'd had an unreported close or continuous relationship. That's in violation of FBI policy. The report did not go into detail as to why prosecutors did not pursue the case. Women's staffing illicit massage parlors are often victims of human trafficking. You realize that or otherwise coerced into providing sexual services. Now, this story coming straight from the New York Times. So you know if the Times says it, it's true. I can't believe they're 
talking about this. This isn't kind of a story New York Times normally carries because it makes the current system look bad. The OIG confirmed that the senior FBI employee had solicited prostitutes on multiple occasions at various massage parlors in the same geographic area, which the report notes violates the policies of the Department of Justice and the FBI. The OIG report also confirmed the FBI employee had failed to self-report a close relationship with this foreign national that's running that massage parlor, which resulted in the senior-level employee having close and continuous contacts with the foreign national. The OIG report stated that the FBI employee may have paid for and or received sexual favors at the foreign national's massage parlor or other massage parlors in the same geographic area. The Department of Justice, they're not even talking about it. Ooh, they can't talk about stuff like that. They can't do that. Wow. There's so much stuff going on. You know, if you look backwards just a few years in our rearview mirror, do you remember really bad stuff happening regarding Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, under Donald Trump as president over here? I don't remember any incidents, none. I'm sure there were some, but I don't remember them. Why is that? Why is that? What gave Trump success in dealing with Iran that Joe Biden can't? Please contrast Biden's Iranian appeasement with Donald Trump's Iranian toughness. Trump understood the difference between strength and weakness. Trump pulled out of the misbegotten Obama-Iranian nuke deal. Trump took out al-Baghdadi and all of ISIS in Syria. Trump took out Soleimani, the number one bad guy in Iran. The Arab nations understand strength. You think that sent a message to Iran? Of course it did. Trump laid down tough economic sanctions, basically stopped their oil production and starved their economy. And then came the Abraham Accords as Gulf states negotiated peace deals with Israel regarding trade, investment, transportation. In effect, Mr. Trump was surrounding Iran with all these Abraham Accord peace deals. The entire political dynamic of the region was changed. During Trump's tenure, there was no massive Hamas-Iranian invasion of Israel. Why can't the Bidens learn these lessons? Well, it's simply because... Mr. Kudlow, Biden doesn't operate in a world where what makes sense, what works, is what you lock into and make part of your policy. You can't do that. You've got to create the policy that you want it to be, regardless of what it should be, what the law says should or shouldn't happen, and what the American people have elected people in office at every level from the White House on down, what the people want done for the nation. You get your perspective, you sign into the narrative of the day that you want to be what's said, what's talked about, and what's done and what's not done, and it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. If you want it, if you're a Democrat and you want it, by Jesus, that's what everybody's got to line up and do. 
And it's not just Democrats. Don't get me wrong. I know there are people that wear all kinds of labels that do good things and do bad things. It's not a label. It's what's in the heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's from the Bible, not me. In other words, what you think, feel, and see way down deep, that's what you're going to act on and act out. It makes sense. And so you have an entire administration. I'll never forget the first time Joe wasn't a U.S. senator. He was a vice president of the United States the first term of Obama and Biden. I remember everything in the United States that went well. Obama and Biden took credit for it. It didn't matter if it was instigated and begun under Bush 43. Made no difference because it happened while they were in office. Ah, Look what we did. Look what we put together. But the flip side of that was true as well. Everything that bad happened in the Obama-Biden administration, everything bad, it was because of Bush 43. They blamed him for anything and everything bad. That was a bad policy decision that we got stuck with, but we had to make the best of it. But it wasn't our fault that it didn't work out. I mean, that wasn't occasionally. That was regarding everything. What do you see happening right now? Everything, everything that happens good, and there's not very much, but everything that happens good in government today, it's because of Joe Biden. Oh, my gosh. Look at all the job numbers. No president has ever put this many people back to work, as have I. New jobs. They still say that. Two and a half, almost three years in. They're still saying that. Look what I did. All these people are back at work. They lost everything under the poor policies of Donald Trump. But I brought them back. Do yourself a favor. I'm going to let you do an internet search. Just do this. How many of the, and put the word new in parentheses, or quotation marks, how many of the new jobs that have been reported while Joe Biden has been in office, how many of those were people just going back to work after COVID? And you will find out 90% of them fall in that category. They're not putting new jobs together. They're not. Joe Biden is good at doing one thing, two things. Well, maybe three. I'll just go to two. He's really, really good at spending money, money that we don't have. He's really good about taking credit for things that other people have done. And the third thing that he's good at is falling down on his own. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. 
Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it. For a limited time, at participating Taco Bell locations near you. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's Biggie Bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? When you choose a great-tasting Miller Lite, you're choosing on taste. And that's the right choice, not the wrong choice. Because right is way better than wrong. You don't try to do the wrong thing. Wrong on, brother? Back off, and I don't even know you. If someone asks you if everything's all wrong, ask them to pull your finger. Ever read The Bill of Wrongs? It was written by James Battison and John Saddams. Drawing a wrong triangle? Place this protractor at 90 degrees and sit on it. What's wrong around the corner? An 8-foot ex-con named Tiny, and he wants your wallet. That's wrong up your alley. Just like the drifter feeding moldy muffin stumps to his 13 hairless cats. Got a wrong hand man? I've got a cousin named Randall with clammy hands. The customer's always wrong? Well, that explains the waiter's creepy grin as I ate my toast. Two wrongs do make a wrong. Am I wrong? Wrong. So don't make the wrong choice. Make the right choice. And choose on taste. Triple hops brewed Miller Lite. Taste greatness. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Great beer, great responsibility. just a second, I'm going to let you listen to a litany of Democrats getting in public various settings, pontificating about how evil everything of conservatism is. Every conservative in office. Some of this came from back when Donald Trump was president, but they still feel the same way. Let me give you an example. The French government announced a ban last week, late last week, on pro-Palestinian protest amid the Hamas attacks on Israel, and this story is according to Reuters. Interior Minister Gerald Darmanian said these protests are likely to generate disturbances to public order. Hamas terrorists infiltrated Israel last Saturday is when it all started. Hamas called for Muslims across the globe to take to the streets across the globe now to support the terrorist group, according to a translation by the Middle East Media Research Institute. Pro-Palestinian protests have been occurring in all over the world. Some of the participants yelling anti-Semitic chants in Sydney, Australia. One of the, I, I couldn't believe the stuff I saw and heard in Australia, the anti-Jew. Protesters were yelling in unison, F the Jews. The organization Students of Justice in Palestine also have planned a day of resistance to celebrate Hamas's massacre. Catching the enemy completely by surprise, the Palestinian resistance 
has captured over a dozen settlements surrounding Gaza along with many occupation soldiers and military vehicles. This is what it means to free Palestine. Not just slogans and rallies, but armed confrontation with the oppressors. That came from a social media post out of the group regarding the call to resistance. French police have made more than 20 arrests in connection with anti-Semitic acts within France since Hamas's attack last Saturday. Do you hear any real, real cries around the world that are anti any of this horror show that's going on? And many of these areas are promoting violence within it. Cries have been going out for days now all across the United States. Be careful, be careful law enforcement out in mass to protect the people in their various communities. But you know what? Democrats have always maintained they are the party of strength, but they're the party of peace. They're peace-loving people. They're concerned about everything and everybody. Yeah, right. I just thought, and I put this together for you, I thought you might get a kick out of this. You're going to recognize some of the voices in this, but this is a litany of Democrats that have called for violence and threatened violence themselves through the last few years. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. You've got to be ready to throw a punch. You have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take them out now. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Please. Get up in the face of some Congress people. People will do what they do. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. We're going to go in there, we're going to... This is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. And for those of you who are soldiers, make them pay. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? Does one of us have to come out alive? <laughs> I promise to fight every single day. One, I, I'm a fighter and I'm relentless. But I'm a fighter and I'm relentless. A fighter and I'm relentless. I will fight like hell. But the way I see it now is that we pick ourselves up and we fight back. That's what I think it's all about. We stand up and we fight back. We do not back down. We do not compromise. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. You can either lie down, you can, you can whimper, you can pull up in a ball, you can decide to move to Canada, or you can stand your ground and fight back. And, and that's what it's about. 
We do fight back, but we are going to fight back. We are not turning this country over to what Donald Trump has sold. We are just not. Look, people are upset and they're right to be upset. Now we can whimper, we can whine, or we can fight back. Me, I'm here to fight back. I'm here to fight back because we will not forget. We do not want to forget. We will use that vision to make sure that we fight harder, we fight tougher, and we fight more passionately for than ever. We still have a fight on our hands. Fight hard for the changes Americans are demanding. Get in the fight to winning the fight, the fight fighting, please fighting. We'll use every tool possible to fight for this change. We'll fight, we'll fight, to fight fighting hard. Serious about fighting and fight. We gotta get on our front foot and fight back. Problems, we call them out and we fight back. I'm in this fight. I am fighting, I am fighting. Get in this fight. Get in this fight. Get in this fight and fighting. We all need to be in the fight. We all need to stay in the fight. We stay in this fight. We fought back. We fought back. I am not afraid of a fight. I am in this fight all the way. You don't get what you don't fight for. Our fight, our fight. We are in this fight for our lives. This is the fight of our lives. But we are going to make sure that this fight does not end tonight. This is a fight for our lives, the lives of our friends and family members and neighbors. It is a fight, fight, and it is a fight that we're going to work to make sure continues. It's a fight. It is a fight. It is a fight. And that's what this fight is for. Well, I'm wired to fight anyone who isn't doing their job for us. I'm John Tester, and you damn right, I approve this message. And I'll have lots of fights ahead of us, and I'm ready to stand up and keep fighting. We have to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We need to fight, 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 and we need to fight. We're going to fight. We got a few more fights. We're going to take the privilege of a few more fights, and we have the biggest fight of all. I will never stop fighting. I will fight like hell to fight back against anyone. We need to say loud and clear that we are ready to fight. It's a bare knuckles fight. Now they're going to have to actually fight back against people. The fight has to be conducted. It's so important that we need to fight. Fight that fight. We have been fighting. I was fighting very hard. Time is of the essence, both in terms of the fight. I think we should be fighting. Well, I, I really believe we need to fight. And we're simply not going to take this line down. We're going to keep fighting. So I'm telling all my colleagues, this is the fight of our life. Whose side are you on? Who are you fighting for? They're fighting for, I'm fighting. We're both fighting. We will fight back. We're not going to just take this line down. I'm just going to keep the fight up. What we have to do right now is fight as hard as we can. We have to rise up and and fight back. And so we're going to fight and we're going to continue to fight. I am going to be fighting, fighting like hell.
keep fighting, 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 or we kept fighting and we did. So we're going to keep fighting. We have to be fighting every every single day. We have to fight back and we have no choice but to do that. I think we're doing the right thing to do that. Uh, fighting. And I'm fighting. Well, our job right now is to fight. It's really important. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm asking for the support of people across the country to fight back. And you got to be fierce uh, in uh, fighting. Keep fighting. Brown have been fighting. I've told President Biden I will fight like mad. I'll tell you what, now more than ever, we have to fight like hell. We have these battles on the floor of the Senate. I'm going to go down and battle and, uh, and I'm going to be down there on the floor fighting. Right. But we Democrats are fighting as hard as we can. Democrats are fighting as hard as we can. Credit it in any way, but we're fighting back. What we've got to do is fight in Congress, fight in the courts, fight in the streets, fight online, fight at the ballot box. Fighting and pushing around the clock, fighting. Continue to be brave and be strong and keep fighting. We're getting people engaged in the fight. We're fighting. We've got to keep fighting and keep focused. Continue to fight. Fight. Uh, this is going to be a fight. We'll also fight him and challenge him in every way that we can, in the Congress, in the courts, and in the streets. To continue fighting, we each have an important role to play in fighting. In this fight, like so many before it, it has been a fight. The American people are going to have to fight. And about the importance of fighting, I will always fight. Fighting. But we always must fight Joe Biden has a deep, deep-seated commitment to fight and to fight and about the importance of fighting. We always must fight to fight, to fight and to fight as our willingness to fight continued the fight, as Joe Biden says, to fight. It's about fighting of what we're fighting for. We will tell them about what we did to fight. It's really about um, a fight. But truly, I do believe that we're in a fight. I believe that we are in a fight. I believe we are in a fight. I believe we are in a fight. So there's a fight in front of us, a fight for all of these things. And so we're prepared to fight for that. We know how to fight our ongoing fight of fight. We know how to fight. We like a good fight. We were born out of a fight. This is what is our fight right now. There's the fight, there's the fight, there's the fight, and then there's the fight to defend back in the fight. Our mission is to fight. That is the guiding purpose of House Democrats fighting. He has never forgotten who he is fighting for. Marched and fought, and we just have to fight. But this is a fight for our country. Fighting the health crisis of COVID. I led the fight and continue to fight. Never, never, never give up this fight. I am a citizen fighting for it. Means not only fighting a leader who fought for progressive change, as a lawyer who fought for people his whole life, as well as other fights he's And I'm proud that, uh, to have Tim in this fight with me. And above all, it's time for America to get back up. And once again, fight. We will fight when we must fight. What kind of America are we fighting for? We've been fighting, so we need to fight, but we also need to fight. Fight for an America. I am going to wake up every day and fight hard. I have been fighting. We're gonna fight. We are gonna fight. We're gonna fight. We're gonna fight. And I will fight. We're in the fight of our lives right now. We fight like hell to fight. To fight. Fight against the Trump administration. Democrats are standing up to fight. We're in this fight in a serious way. It's your fight. We're eager to take on this fight. Get in this fight and we'll fight it out. I have taken on the fight. As representatives for the people, as legislators here in the halls of Congress, our job is to fight. Who has led us in this fight. Is to fight for this. This fight. And every day I'm in the United States Senate. 
I will fight. And one of the things we do is fight, should fight. And because my constituents send me here each and every day to fight. We have been fighting this fight and we need to be side by side so we can succeed. And so I hope that you will all join us in our fight. And if we fight, and as the next governor of Georgia, I will never stop fighting. We can show the old guard something new and we can fight. My fight, those fights need to fight, to fight an administration requiring us to fight and fight we will. Their fight, and their fight, and their fight. The fight is a fight. And so when we fight the fight that we are in, when we are fighting this fight, we fight this fight. The strength of who we are is we will fight. And we will fight. We will fight the fight. We will fight. We are in a fight. The fight, 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 fight. It is a fight. It is a fight. And it is a fight born out of patriotism. This is a fight fighting. I say fight on, fight on, fight on, fight on. I'm here to say one more time in publicly, this is not a fight. I wanted to take on, but this is the fight in front of us now. <laughs> I, I hated to wear you out hearing all of that. Let me tell you what I did. When I put that together, it came from a YouTube video. I went and counted every person that volunteered to use that verbiage that you just heard. That was 11 minutes long. Guess how many people were in that? Now, there were multiple, several that were in different parts, repeats, a bunch of that. But different individuals, how many? 77, every one of them a leader in the United States of America. 77 of them. We got to fight. We, we can't take this. We can't take this. We've got we to gotta fight. I wanted to hit him in the mouth. <laughs> I wanted to take him out. Behind the gym, <laughs> 77 different people, leaders. Oh, by the way, every one of them was a Democrat. Now, what am I getting at? What am I pointing that out for? We wonder, and we just take for granted what we're hearing sometimes about why there's so much lawlessness, so much now that we hadn't seen before. I've never seen it like this in my entire lifetime. And I'm a product of all of the demonstrations and the nastiness that happened back in the Vietnam days, the late 60s, early 70s. I I never saw anything like this. I guess the biggest thing that ever happened was that killing by those National Guards at Kent State University. That was a horror show on its own. And it basically ended all of the violence that had been kind of tipping up, tipping up, growing a little stronger. That was the straw, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back when it became too much. When you see 77 different lawmakers in different areas of our government and they're pointing, you got to fight, you got to fight, you can't take it, you got to fight. Not one of them used the term fight for the truth. Not one of them. It's all about fighting those who are different-minded than are you on whatever issues that are being discussed at the time. You don't have to accept it. Forget about the rule of law. Forget about the will of the people. 
Forget about those people that every one of those 77 you just heard swore an oath to protect and defend and to serve us and to make sure the rule of law and the Constitution was observed. Every one of those people took that oath of office at least once, many of them multiple times. And yet, they don't do it. What they're telling young people and have been telling young Americans for years, if you don't like it, Forget about it. Don't accept it. Fight back. Fight back. Hit them in the face. Get in their faces. Does that kind of give you a little open eye thing? That's really happening in the United States. We don't have terrorist groups here that I know of. Maybe a couple of them. If you listen to uh, Joe Biden, um, white supremacists, that's the leading threat among domestic violence of any kind. No mention of Black Lives Matter. No mention of those several hundred riots that took place across the nation in the summer of 2020. Oh, don't even talk about that. That was Antifa and Black Lives Matter. There was not a single report that I saw, not one in those several hundred riots that were put on, instigated, or even being a part of by so-called white supremacists. So MSNBC, we talked early in the show, if you weren't here, we talked early about what they have become in their reporting. But there's some other information that's out that's kind of interesting. America's most far-left news network, MSNBC, they have lost 33% of their primetime viewers in the last 10 days. According to Puck News, Puck News, and uh, news lobbying, not lobbying, but uh, doing polls, but they're not a pollster. They've got another name for it, media watchdogs, whatever. According to Puck News, during the first four days of the Israeli-Hamas conflict, Fox News gained 42% in viewers. CNN even gained 17% in viewers compared to the same four-day period a week earlier. But for MSNBC, not so good. The numbers tell a very different tale. They suffered a 24% decline in total viewers and a whopping 33% decline in primetime viewers. These numbers tell you a lot about MSNBC, which excels at Trump-era liberal therapy, but they can't match others during global historical events. The numbers don't lie. Why the decline? Writing for Puck News, a guy last named Byers called out the network for being overly sympathetic to Hamas, the bad guys. Ever since the conflict erupted last Saturday, MSNBC's host and their contributors have repeatedly and habitually drawn a false equivalence between Hamas's brutal terror attack on the Israeli people and Israel's alleged mistreatment of the Palestinians. Here's an example. While interviewing an Israeli mother last Tuesday whose son was abducted by Hamas, MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell took a moment to ask about the Palestinians. Here's what she asked. 
What are your feelings about the attacks against Gaza right now? The mother was obviously incensed, and she fired back, scolding Mitchell over the false equivalency. You're looking first for a symmetrical situation, and I must say, it isn't. If you were dealing with a war who is between two countries, countries don't take children hostages. I'm sorry, it's against the laws of war. It's against humanity. It's against anything that we all believe in, she said. Every time we had missiles shot at us, I used to say to my children that they should be sympathetic towards the children of Gaza because they suffer a lot more than they do. I'm not sure I still believe in it now, and I must say the only worry I have now from the bombings in Gaza is the fact that my children are there, she said. I can't be sympathetic anymore. I can't be sympathetic to animal human beings. Well, they're not really human beings who came into my house, broke everything, stole everything they wanted, took my children from their bedrooms, took them to the Gaza Strip. Israel's never done that, and it will never do that. So there is no symmetry. Boy, mom couldn't have put it better, right? Meanwhile, in the immediate hours after the first horrific terror attack, MSNBC's Ali Velshi said the attack didn't come out of the blue and was the result of Israelis harassing Palestinians. Quote, we have been reporting for the last 10 months, I guess, an increase in tensions between Israel and Palestinians who live in the occupied West Bank. There's been a lot of misinformation about this, about many of these Palestinians who are being systematically harassed and their homes demolished, harassed by settlers under the eye and guise and with the support of Israeli defense forces. This is what this guy said. So this is not out of the blue. What we have seen this morning, it was a surprise for which Israel wasn't prepared. But tensions have been boiling for 10 months, he added. His guest, Velshi's guest, Palestinian Noor O'Day, concurred saying, well, they've been boiling for over half a century, Ali, which is the length of the Israeli occupation. Worse, O'Day then effectively blamed Israel for the terror attack, arguing that it was a consequence, a consequence of a record number of Palestinian children killed by Israeli occupation forces, a record number of Palestinian homes demolished by Israel, a record number of Israeli settler attacks against Palestinian villages where homes and businesses were set on fire, where Palestinians were injured or killed by armed Israelis. And to think that all of that wouldn't have had consequences or wouldn't have a reaction from the Palestinians, all Palestinians was delusional, she said. Last up, MSNBC's Rachel Madcow, who fretted on Monday that airing videos of Israelis being kidnapped or worse might backfire. Forget about that being factual. We don't want to show factual stuff. We shouldn't be showing that because it might backfire against us. Since the attack on Israel started last Saturday morning, a week ago, 
We've seen these murders and hostage takings of civilians and otherwise. We have seen them being filmed and put online for a strategic aim to advance the purposes of the people who were doing the murdering and the hostage taking, she said. They want it to be seen. They wanted to augment the terrorizing effect of what they are doing with these innocent people. That is a very difficult thing to reckon with. All of these decisions are hard ones. I don't think there is a right decision, she added. Critics weighed in, as of course they always do. They argue the victims' families also want the footage shared to, one, remind the world of their deceased loved one, and two, showcase to the world how evil Hamas happens to be. It doesn't matter how you try to shape something when you describe it. It doesn't really matter. Facts don't change just because of the way something and some set of circumstances are described. Facts exist in a vacuum. And the thing about this whole Hamas-Israel thing, the latest thing, this is the worst one ever, no question about it. But the thing about it is Hamas are pawns of Iran, as are Hezbollah. Hezbollah's, they're on the outside just to the north side of Israel, Hamas is down on the south-southwest side of Israel. Iran is funding them, is training them, and have been for years arming them, telling them what and how to do anything. They're the lapdogs, Hamas is, of Iran. So Iran is basically warring with Israel without getting their hands dirty. More and more people are not recognizing the facts or hearing the truth, and they're blaming everything on Israel because that's what the propagandists are out there saying. Forget about what you see. Forget about what you watch. Forget about the numbers. Don't hey, Just try this. As I've recommended, go to Daily Mail. That's not a U.S. media outlet. It's not a conservative media outlet. They have locations, and they're headquartered in the U.K. They have a version for the U.S., but I go to the U.K. version and get their information, and it's very seldom pro-Israeli. But when you tell facts about what's going on right now, you can wait to get to the whys later. You've got to deal with what's happening all day, every day. People getting slaughtered. Now, let's come back home for the balance of our time together today. Let's talk about something at the house <laughs> back home. We have a, a really nasty situation that has been playing out for a long time now from our southern border. What might that be, Dan? That, of course, would be our own illegal immigration at our southern border. Joe Biden, his minions, have simply opened up the border and told every illegal, doesn't matter who you are, come on in, in violation of a number of federal immigration laws. And they're doing so with impunity, not 
caring about any kind of ramification that comes from it. And they're trying to normalize all this stuff. Listen to the latest. Biden's deputies are pressuring banks in the U.S. now to loan money to illegals that have come across the southern border. President Biden's agencies are now threatening banks with federal investigations if they don't grant cheap loans to risky illegal migrants. This loans for migrants push is just another effort by pro-migration lobbies to shoehorn the wage-cutting, rent-spiking illegals into Americans' fractured society. That multi-angled push benefits migrants and investors, but it inflicts vast civic and economic damage to everyday, ordinary Americans. The agency threats were posted October 12th by Biden's pro-migration radicals at a bunch of different government agencies. This guidance reminds lenders that denying someone access to credit based solely on their actual or perceived immigration status may violate federal law. That's from a statement by Kristen Clark, Biden's chief of the Justice Department's Civic Regulation Division. Her use of the word may shows she has no proof of such illegalities by the banks. The government will not allow companies to use immigration status as an excuse for illegal discrimination, said Rohit Chopra, director of the semi-independent Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. However, his statement doesn't provide any evidence that banks are justifying illegal discrimination by treating legitimate customers as illegal immigrants. Moreover, the Democrat statements admit the bank can deny loans to illegals. Can you believe they're doing that? Wow. So here's another little faux pas. Liberty University. Today, they are firing back at the U.S. Department of Education. They're claiming that a department official leaked a report alleging that it, Liberty University, covered up sexual assaults incidents and generally underreported crime on campus. Why would they do it? To preserve their clean reputation. The Washington Post published an article on an Education Department investigator's report on the school's Clary Act compliance. It was released on May 1, saying it showed the school routinely failed to keep its campus safe, underreporting crime claims, and discouraging reports of it in the first place. Colleges that participate in federal financial aid programs must keep and disclose crime statistics and other timely information about campus safety. In 2020-2021, Liberty University got $874 million for student loans and grants from the Education Department. Officials at the private Evangelical University of Virginia deny the claims laid out in the Education Department's findings. Liberty's president worried that the leak of the department's findings to the Washington Washington Post will impact negotiations 
with the education department and believes someone leaked the report to poison the well. Additionally, the school says it's been threatened with an unprecedented $37.5 million fine, which would be far more than recent fines levied on universities by the Department of Education, like a $4.5 million one slapped on Michigan State over the Larry Nassar sexual abuse scandal. The most damaging element of this whole process is the fact that for the first time that any of us are aware, Department of Education leaked a preliminary report while we are in the process of negotiating with the department about all the advancements that we've made. And so that's the biggest issue. That comes from Liberty University President Dr. Dondi Costin. The leak is intentionally aimed at laying the groundwork for an unprecedented fine, and the report is filled with factual errors that the department has admitted to Liberty in their negotiations. Co-founded by Christian right activists and televangelist Jerry Falwell, Liberty is known for its conservative honor code that governors personal behavior, like prohibiting premarital sex. It's also had strong ties to President Trump. Liberty presides over 48,000 students. It's located in Lynchburg, Virginia. Costin alleged, this is the president, he alleged that before they could build a case to the education department before a deadline on June 30th to dispute the findings, education department leaked it to the news. The university released a statement reporting it made significant advancements in safety since October a year ago. If you're a conservative in America today, if you're part of a conservative group, if you're in a conservative church, if you believe conservative things and you speak your mind, you can bet one thing. The Department of Justice, the Biden administration, every department in his administration, they know who we are and they're looking to get us, make us pay for one thing, who we are, what we think. Guys, thank you for joining us on Monday, big day. Many, many, many things are ahead of us all this week. Some of them bad, some of them good. We're on top of them all. Make sure you stay here. And thanks for doing just that. Before the second show
Play your sad guitar 